welcome to another episode of Turn Left. I am your host, Indiana's own Dana Black, coming to you live, yes, all the way live from Black Pearl Studios, where we talk about Indiana politics from the left side of things. This General Assembly session is heartbreaking. I am so frustrated on so many levels. I have the joy and, and opportunity and privilege of being able to work from home and listen to what is happening in that state house. I have never been more proud of our Senate and House Democrats who are fighting every day against all odds to, to protect people and protect students and protect marginalized communities. It's been a bad week. It's been a very, very, very bad week. So where shall I begin? WLFI.com reports, Indiana legislators advanced a bill on Tuesday that would force public comment in school board meetings while a separate proposal seeking to add political party identifications to what are now nonpartisan school board elections throughout the state was effectively abandoned. So there's some good news and some bad news. A House bill requiring school boards to accept oral public comment at every meeting, allowing no less than three minutes per person, was approved by the full House and now heads to the Senate. Why is this bill significant? I know a lot of you are suggesting, well, you know, everybody should be allowed to have public comment. Everybody should be able to say what they need to say at school board meetings. And, and technically, yes. However, when they become unruly, and they be, the people who are speaking start to threaten and spit on school board members. I'm not mad at school board people who decide, you know what? We're going to shut all this down because we don't deserve this type of disrespect. But see, this bill says it doesn't matter how unruly or how disrespectful or how just gross somebody's parents are. Yeah, I said it. Somebody's parents are to our school board members. They have to sit there and take it. I don't know about you. I understand what they're doing and why they're doing it, but maybe they should put some provisions in there that says if it becomes unruly and people are disrespectful, get them out of here. We've already seen all over the state in different school board meetings where police have had to be there. This is no different than a lot of the desegregation arguments that were happening back in the 50s and people acting like total behinds, like they didn't have any home training whatsoever, talking to people ridiculously. I'm really disappointed that they didn't put any provisions in there for that. But you know what? I say we all man up. And we show up to all these school board meetings and we make all of our voices heard. And then we become like, I don't know, the Black Panthers. And we stand in and protect our school board members so that they are not being disrespected by regular everyday people. They show up, we should show up. I'm just saying. A related Republican-backed proposal that would require candidates running for school board to identify as Republican, Democrat, or Independent did not advance from the House Elections Committee. This is a good thing. I know some people were worried about it, so that one's gone. If it doesn't come back, we might be in good shape. However, the committee chairman, Republican Representative Tim Wesco, was not immediately available to comment on why the bill was held or if lawmakers in the Senate would still advance their own version of the proposal. So it ain't over. It is not over. All right. WFYI reports. The Indiana House approved a controversial school content and curriculum bill Wednesday after more than an hour and a half of discussion on the House floor and making some changes to the bill earlier this week. The bill's author, Representative Tony Cook of Cicero, said recent changes to House Bill 1134 aimed to address concerns it would add unmanageable amount of work onto school workloads or prevent teachers from condemning racism. <laughs> kind of had to do that because the Senate version, you know, Senator Baldwin said, you know, we could be neutral on Nazism. But hey, <laughs> that's, what I, that's why I love non-educators, non-historians trying to craft bills dealing with America's history. Anyway, the changes included an easing back 
of requirements to post learning materials online and added language for the Indiana Department of Education to provide guidance to educators about how to follow parameters outlined in the bill, among other things. Now, our Democrat, Democratic legislators tried to share with the entire body why this bill was bad. And I, one of the things that Representative Delaney said I found to be point, I mean, there were a lot of good stuff. I mean, Representative Tanya Pav talked about, I am currently a teacher and how this would change the way she teaches in the classroom. Um, Representative Blake talked about his role as a teacher. Representative Terry Austin talked about her role as a teacher. Representative Pack. As, as a black woman being a teacher, talked about how there were subjects that were uncomfortable to her, but her uncomfortability was the reason why she went into the service so that she can serve our nation and serve communities better. But one of the most poignant interactions came from Representative Ed Delaney. He says, we're afraid of change. We want to tell our kids everything's all right the way it is. And we want to tell some parents that if you think the teacher went a step too far, Go make a complaint. So what do we want our kids to do? We don't want them to be woke. We want them to be asleep. That's what this bill proposes. Put our kids and their minds and their futures to sleep. See y'all, this bill, 1134, is one of those anti-CRT bills, which you guys already know. We're not teaching this in school. But this is also an anti-real history bill because if people are sensitive and uncomfortable about the truth, oh, well, they can just opt out of it. Well, what happens to those kids that opt out? What are, what are they supposed to do? And why do we have so many parents who don't even understand the first amendment, second amendment, other than they could carry a gun dictating how curriculum is being taught by people who have been trained and educated to do that thing. It's like me going into a, a surgical room and telling the surgeon how to cut. What sense does that make? Now, listen, this bill is coming out of the House. It's going over to the Senate. We don't know since the Senate bill was, was pushed down. We don't know what the Senate is going to do with this bill. But this is what's happening in our state house. Something else that broke my heart, AP reports, Legislators additionally pushed forward a bill on Wednesday that would ban transgender women and girls from participating in school sports that match their gender identity. The proposal, which could get approval from the full house on Thursday, which I didn't get a chance to hear the bill, would prohibit students who were born male but identify as female from participating in sports or on an athletic team that is designated for women or girls. But it wouldn't prevent students who identify as female or transgender men from playing on men's teams. Y'all, as a gender non-conforming individual who does not subscribe to what society tells me that a woman, woman is supposed to look like or how she is supposed to carry herself, I, I call BS on this one. I call BS. Why are we writing out, we are literally carving out legislation for a specific type of human to discriminate against them? I don't know what your feelings are. I don't even know how many transgender girls want to play sports. I don't know any of that. All I know is that we are writing legislation that is harmful to young people. We already know the homelessness rate of our young LGBTQ plus exceed all other youth demographics. And we know trans kids are most susceptible to homeless, homelessness and suicide. And now we are literally writing legislation that says you are not worthy. Y'all see why I'm hurt? Y'all see why I'm hurt? This is, we pay these people to write legislation like this. We pay them. I, sometimes I'm stuck for words. I know I talk a lot, but I'm really stuck for words on this one. This one hurts because there is some person who's already battling a whole bunch of demons and parents and family members and friends. And now we just wrote legislation that says you are not worthy. No, not just wrote it. <laughs> we passed it. I appreciate Democrats who continue to fight. I know there was a SB 13 was heard this afternoon. It's a high-speed rail legislation. And this is what I talk about by carving stuff out. They're, they passed legislation that says 
you know, we're going to study whether or not high-speed rail can be used in Indiana, but they added an amendment. The one county you cannot talk about this in is Marion County. What? You wrote a bill talking about that that encompasses the entire state, but you're going to say, no, nope, but just not in Marion County. In Marion County, where you have the highest population of people, where the highest tax revenue is generated from, the economic hub of the entire state, there are other counties in our state who are welfare counties taking money from Marion County, but they carved out a bill that says that we can't discuss high-speed rail in Marion County. My feelings are hurt today, y'all. My feelings are hurt. We keep, a, we keep talking about why it matters for us to get involved. This is why it matters. And yes, they have a supermajority. They can do whatever they want to do without Democrats even showing up to work. But they do. They keep fighting. They keep showing up. They keep doing what is right for us. Even when that other side obviously has a problem with LGBTQ plus folk, they have a problem with black history, and they have a problem with Marion County. They even had a special bill for the Marion County Sheriff. Not that for the other 91 counties. No, 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 no. There's a trend here, people. Marion County, black folk, LGBTQ folk. There's a trend here. And the only way we can bust this trend is if we get involved. I don't just mean holding your head and going, we, what else can we do? We have to show up at the polls. We have to recruit great candidates. We have to support those candidates. It's our job. If we don't want policy to happen to us and we want to impact policy, we have got to get involved. I implore you. I'm damn near begging. Will y'all please, 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 please get involved, get civically engaged, and, and be about the business of protecting Hoosiers from crap policies that are coming out of our Indiana General Assembly. All right, that's my rant. But you know what? We have a candidate that's running. We have a candidate that's coming out of Evansville. She's running in District 76? 76? Correct. Y'all give it up for Katherine Ryback, who is running for our state house in District 76. Welcome to the show, Catherine. I'm a little, I'm a little beat up today. My apologies. They, they, they taking it out of me. How you doing today? I'm fine. Thank you, Dana, for having me. Um, you know, one of the things that you talked about really hits close, close to home, and that is discrimination against LBGTQ youth. Um, in my old job, we used to help people change their names and. Uh, gender markers on their birth certificates. And every so often they try to take that away from us. Uh, you know, and it, and it was kind of a learning curve for me. I mean, here I, I'm, you know, I'm a cis woman, you know, mother of four children, three grandchildren, uh, old, you know, I mean, we didn't talk about this stuff when I was coming up. But I'll tell you what, you have to learn about it. And before you start writing laws about people that you don't even know, you should take, make an effort to understand. And if you don't know any trans folks, read the literature on it. You know, I have a trans, a trans woman niece who just published a novel mm -hmm. about what it's like to be a trans woman. So you can, you know, you can kind of see where people are coming from. It's very hard to, you know, get your mind around it if you're not familiar. You know, you have to read, read. I think fiction is great because you, you get inside people's heads a little bit more. Yeah. Probably one of the most mind-bending books for me was Middlesex. I don't know if you've read that I one. I have not. I have not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just really opens your mind to just how, you know, people are not all A or B. Yes. You know, there, there's a whole continuum. It's an amazing variety of gender and sexual orientation and we just need to let people be. And when, when the legislature writes things that are just picking on people, yeah. it just it just makes me angry. It, it makes me incredibly angry. And, you know, I, I, I sit on the board of Trinity Haven. Trinity Haven is the only, you know, residence for youth who are at risk of homelessness in the entire state. 
This is a state of 6.8 million people. And all of the, the shelters that are, are around are religious shelters and they have these stipulations about, you know, what, what you have to do to get help, right? Like you just can't come yeah. in as you are and get help. And then you have people writing these bills and it just, I mean, it breaks my heart. I mean, I pay taxes like, and these are the, this is what I'm paying for. Yeah. This is what yeah. I'm paying for. I mean, the other thing that burns me up is that Democrat bills don't even get a hearing. They so, don't. so legislation to help tenants. Nope. Legislation to prevent discrimination against borrowers for homes. Nope. You know, and the history on that is just appalling. I mean, if you want to, you know, if you want to talk about white privilege, this is the place to look. Okay. Is, is you look at uh, the generation that bought their homes in the 50s and 60s. And if you inherited anything from any of them, that's part of your white privilege because they could buy a house, get a reasonable interest rate at a time when black people, nope. I mean, land contracts, land sales contracts, which are the most ridiculous way to, and dangerous way for somebody to try and buy a house because you miss a payment and you lose your house. Yeah. Kind of thing, you yeah. know? I mean, yeah. it's, it's not, the law is not written that way, but often that's the way it plays out. And you just, oh yeah, it's, it's terrible. It's tough. And so we've got to do everything we can to get you in that state house. So as we're talking today, guys, you always know, I try to make these shows now when I have candidates on as fundraisers. So if you like, as we talk tonight and you like what she's talking about, please, please click her link, donate to her campaign because y'all know she's going to need some money. But in the meantime, tell the people are who you are and where you come from. Well, you know, I, I, I come from uh, Chicopee, Chicopee, Massachusetts. <laughs> and, you know, my dad was first generation born in this country. Uh, his parents came from Poland. Uh, my mom's family, some of them claim back to the Mayflower. So we're sort of melting pot family, you know. Uh, dad had a, my dad had a family business. Uh, it was a bar. Now my cousin runs it. So that was what supported us. And actually my dad ran for state rep at one point. He didn't win, but I think it might be in the blood actually. Um, uh, you know, and then, you know, people don't realize some of the jobs I've had, I worked on a tobacco farm. Wow. Uh, we got bussed actually to Connecticut every morning to work on the tobacco farm in the summer. Wow. And it was, you know, my, my tribe of friends and I that did that. And uh, then, oh, then I worked uh, as a maid in the hospital for about three summers and had the honor of being the bathroom girl, which meant that you cleaned 104 toilets in a weekend, you know, so. That's a lot of, you know, that's a lot of shit. Those, I'm sorry. <laughs> Those experiences, though, really make me appreciate frontline workers, people who are keeping the toilets clean, you know? Yeah, yeah. those essential uh, workers that they do essentially don't want to pay, basically. Well, right. And so that's one of the things I'd like to see is people get paid enough. And particularly nursing home workers, uh, you know, I don't know if you followed that series in the Indianapolis Star about all these county hospitals siphoning off money that's supposed to go for nursing homes. They're not even operating those nursing homes. They just own them. And in the meanwhile, Indiana has like one of the worst staff to patient ratios in the country. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can't, even if you have the best heart, and you're strong and you can run up and down the hall and do all the things that people need you to do, you, you can't be perfect. No. If you have to do too, if you have to take care of too many people. Absolutely. I mean, and you, know, you and can't it, be as good as you want to be. No, you can't. And, and that's literally what, what has been happening where, you know, remember back in the day, the conversation was, you know, when they were trying to raise the minimum wage, they were like, well, they made bad choices. You know, they should make better choices and get better jobs. And now when these people are like, after the pandemic, well, during this pandemic, they're like, oh, I don't want to go back and do that anymore. And people are like, wait, I need you to come back and take this crap job for this crap pay because you're inconveniencing me. I need my burger now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and you, 
can't you can't substitute a human being in those in, in those jobs when it comes down to taking par- care of your grandmother or you know it just it just isn't absolutely i mean you know I'm... and so what we've set up is we have a lot of for profit facilities in indiana too and and you know you have people who are having to take a profit you know that's what corporations are for yeah. to generate profit yeah and and the government needs to balance that out. Same thing with utilities. The utility companies all their obligation to their stockholders is to make a profit. The role of government is to balance that out, make sure we have reliable service, but also not give them their wish list if it's all designed to maximize profits, which it should be from their perspective. You know, you have to you have to have government balance that out. Absolutely. And we need people that actually are writing legislation with, with people in mind. I just don't, I mean, even though like Tony Cook, Representative Tony Cook says that his bill is to, you know, give parents more tra- uh, transparency, it's not, it, he's not writing that piece of legislation to cultivate young minds. He's writing it to stifle it and and make sure that their little soft feelings, their little, little feeling don't get hurt. But nobody asks black yeah. parents how they want black history, how they want U.S. history taught, or Hispanic kids, or Native American kids. Nobody ever asks them how they want to. Well, and and how those kids feel when their history is glossed over, you know, and and not talked about. Yeah, I mean, what we need is for our children to learn the truth. And what we need for our teachers is for them to have reasonable-sized classrooms, the right to negotiate working conditions again, uh, so that they can give our kids the attention that they need. Absolutely. How are they going to be competitive, right? If we, I mean, if and then if, if you're overloading teachers now, mind you, teachers now got to give COVID tests. I mean, they got to do everything. They're like they're like the nurses, they're the teachers, they're the babysitter, they're the, they're the social worker, they're everything. But what they're supposed to be, which is putting pouring knowledge into our kids. Oh, and then they got to buy supplies, and then. They, I read yeah. somewhere where if they take off too many days because of COVID, they have to pay for the substitute. They lose no. money. Yeah, I'm like, what? There's so much out there. But anyway, uh, I mean, it looks like you and yeah. I can talk about policy all day, and I'm loving it. So what yeah, was it? No, I do want to take my hat off to the Vanderburg County School Corporation, though, because they have had kids in masks this whole time. I love it. I love it. And, you know, you know and, then they and were... there wasn't there wasn't a lot of blowback at the school board meetings. I mean, it was just that's what we need to do. That's what the science says. You know, now our vaccine rate is not what I wish it were down here. And and we could have used a lot more leadership from the state house on that issue. I mean, think about it. Here they are. Every time the governor tries to do something to contain the pandemic or employers try to do something, here comes the legislature trying to obstruct and sabotage. What What is that? They're killing their base. They really don't. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the strangest, <laughs> it's the strangest political strategy I've ever heard. Ah, let's, let's see how many can catch it and die. Well, that, and, and it's sad. I mean, you know, enough people who've died from it. It's yeah. just, yeah. I just posted a video just, from a, a candidate that I interviewed a couple of years when he ran for Congress a couple of years back, and he's gone. Jim Pruitt, he's gone. And, you know, he, these people, man, I don't even know. And so, you know, you, it looks like you are so plugged in on a lot of the issues around the state. Is that what motivated you to get involved in this race? Well, you know, for 40 some years, I worked as a civil legal aid lawyer. Okay. So doing that, I was not permitted to run for office. Uh, And I did a lot of work that changed things for people. Uh, Probably I felt like I could just die. I mean, I had done, you know, I'd fulfilled my purpose in life. You could die. When I won this this one case that stopped them from putting people in jail for Mm. not paying on their judgments, that was happening down in this part of the state. you know, you, you know, and people then were afraid to go to court. So if they skipped a court date, they would go to jail for not going to court. And we kind of limit that now because they can't put you in jail for not going to court unless you get actual notice of the court date, which a lot of times that doesn't happen. Right, it doesn't happen. 
So, you know, and it's, it's expensive sometimes to chase somebody down to try to give them actual notice. So we're seeing less of that, but now what we're seeing is garnishments. And uh, so, yeah. And you, you know, then you get, then you become homeless because you can't pay your mortgage or you can't pay your rent because they didn't, you know, sucked out 80% of your, your, your paycheck. Well, they, they take 25% on a regular judgment, you know, people who, people it who seems like 80%. People who owe child support, it's a whole different story. Yeah. And, you know, and I've, I've been on both sides of that issue. You know, one of the, one of the things I did was beg for mercy. Yeah. yeah. You know, for somebody who was having, you know, 55% of their income taken for back child support for a child who's now 40, you know. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know. Yeah, and, and it just seems like, you know, after 40 years, my goodness, you you put your time in. Why are you willing to, to put this the work in to be in that state house that I'm in tears about? Well, well, you know, and so 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 a lot of people probably don't care about this issue very much. And so it's not I don't know, I've been told not to get into the weeds too much with people. But the garnishment thing really bothers me. Okay. You know, Texas does not garnish wages at all. Texas? No, they Texas, do, but they don't take care. Of, they they got a whole bunch of other crap going on. So but. well, so but but debt collectors will get their money if people are are on the upswing because right. they want to improve their credit rating. Right. They want to buy a house. They want to buy a car. You know, but if you garnish a person's wages just when they're getting started, they can't pay their daycare at the end of that week. And then they can't go to work the next week because right. they don't have daycare, right. you know? So, so one of the things that I did when I retired was I started writing letters to my legislators asking them to do something about that. You don't have to get rid of garnishment completely. You could make it a lot better by just changing it a little bit. Okay. You know, the floor on what, what a person can uh, have without having any garnishment is $217.50. Well, that is really low. Right. You know, somebody making $400, taking home $400 a week gets $100 garnished. Mm. Mm. Well, you know, you could, you could raise the floor, reduce the percentage, and only garnish the amount over the floor, okay? Right, right. You know, so there are lots of, there are three different things you could do with that to make it better. Not do away with it, but just so that it doesn't bite so hard, you know? Yeah. Well, I see once you win, there's some legislation coming down the pike. I love that. I love that. So, you know, you highlighted the, the garnishment issue. What are there some of the other issues that you, you um, are advocating for? I mean, I know you've seen a lot being a lawyer and you, you know, it sounds right. like you advocate for people regularly. So what other issues like are just, you know, gnawing at you right now? Well, so, you know, I think, I think we need to fight for fairness for, for workers. So we need to, to do things to get better paying jobs. This, when the state contracts out jobs for roads, they should be hiring people at the prevailing wage and not hiring these firms from out of state that come in with people who are paid minimum wage. And then they take all their money back to wherever they came from. Right. You know, we want, we want that income in the community so it helps the community and also so that the people doing the jobs for the people are getting a living wage. Oh, I love it. Uh, I love it. You know, so, and that's something the state house can do. I mean, they've taken it away in recent times. Yeah. So, you know, the other thing is working conditions. You know, we want safe working conditions. We want teachers to have reasonable work expectations, to have a planning period, to, you know, not have 180 kids that they're, in, you know, having to keep track of. Right. I mean, those are all things that help with the education of our children. Um, you know, the next, the next thing that I'm really concerned about is access, access to childcare, access to healthcare, mm. you know, and with all this, uh, you know, with the pandemic, really, the shortage of childcare became apparent. Yes. And the fact that there's nowhere for kids to go if they're sick so that the parents can go to work. We used to have a daycare like that here in town, actually. Wow. You know, where you could, you know, sort of for sick kids. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, 
so, but there are big gaps there in terms of what you can get and what the quality is. And think about it. These are children. They could be, un, you know, younger than three years old. You want them, this is such a formative age. Yeah. You want those kids to have as rich an environment as you can give them. And you don't want them going to the zero star daycare, you know, the unlicensed daycare, because there are right. lots of daycares that don't have to be licensed. Uh, you want them in the four star daycare. Yeah. There just aren't even that many slots, even if you can afford to pay the price. Right. So the way to, the way to get there, of course, is to invest and, in, you know, if we could get build back better or some version of that, you know, and I've let the Republicans take credit for it, which they've been pretty good at doing some of these. Oh my know. gosh. I, I, I mean, they run around talking about, look how much money we got y'all for infrastructure. No, you yes. didn't. <laughs> or I don't know if you got a chance to hear the governor state of the state. And he talked about how much funding was going down for high speed. I mean, uh, yeah, high speed internet and blah, blah, blah. Right. Are you, are you going to tell people where you got that money from? No. You, well, and sure, broadband is is a huge issue for us. Oh God, yes. In especially in Posey County and and also out in the county here in Vanderbilt County, uh, and you know everybody can work from home if they have not everybody, but right. a lot of people are working from home now. But if you don't have broadband, your kids can't even do their schoolwork. No. Well, and and the lieutenant governor when she came into office said this, this was this was a high priority for her and she was going to set up a task force and we're going to make sure that we get some high speed internet out to our rural counties. She ain't done nothing. <laughs> we still well, so have we can, the same we issue. We can thank Joe Biden for that, you yeah. know, because because we will be getting that, and that's a great thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, yeah. The, the neglect the neglect of our human capital in our state is probably the thing that is you know that frustrates me. I think it frustrates you in the same way. That I mean, just neglecting the human capital, our greatest resource in our state. <laughs> is the human capital and we are not doing what we need to do to you know enrich it reinforce it some people can can get what they need but the vast oh, yeah. majority is it's 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 uh I, it's so uh, it's not it's not right it's not right and i can't get those that are getting kickbacks from big corporations to write bad policies that impact us negatively to see this is not how you want to run a state Oh, I know. And, you know, and on healthcare, one of the things that I did in my job was advocate for people to get Medicaid before we had the Affordable Care Act. Okay. Oh. So you'd have somebody who was very sick, but they would have a little bit too much money. Maybe yeah. they couldn't afford to quit their job, you know, so they're struggling, even though they're sick, to work. And they died. Because by the time they were sick enough to get on Medicaid and where they really couldn't work anymore, it was too late to treat their illness. You know, so we want to keep HIP 2.0, which mm -hmm. has been a godsend to people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had clients who couldn't work because, say, they have a seizure disorder or something mm -hmm. like that. They get their medical coverage through HIP 2.0. They get on the medication they need. And guess what? They get a job. They get health insurance. And they're good to go. But yeah. if we start putting barriers, and, and I know the Republicans love to do that. They put that work requirement on HIP. And, and, and that was in the Trump administration. The Biden administration isn't having it, you know, yeah, yeah. because those waivers have to be approved now by democratic officials at the federal level and so yeah. that's not going to happen in this go around but we want to hang on to the things that we have with health care the other thing that really concerns me is our maternal mortality rate mm. you know mm. and i had a conversation not too long ago with a doctor friend of mine about the proposals on abortion mm -hmm. and one of the things that it does is it ties the doctor's hands when you have a mom who's in, she's already miscarrying, that pregnancy, pregnancy is not right. going to reach its, its fruition. But the doctor didn't feel like they can do anything to stop her bleeding or to prevent her from getting sepsis or, you know, people, women are, women could die because the, the law is making it murky for the, the provider. Mm. You know, plus women who have miscarriages, you know, mm -hmm. if we get a Texas style bill in this state, 
which is you close know to are people who have people who have a miscarriage going to have to justify that i mean yeah. one in four pregnancies ends in a miscarriage already i mean nature is a pretty big color of pregnancies yeah and uh you know, if you if you have a neighbor who's who suddenly notices you're not pregnant anymore and, and decides they're going to sue you for, you know, but it's crazy. What's so crazy is that okay, there's a legislation regulating um, what is already in a woman's body, not putting it in, but what's in a woman's body, right? The, the, yeah. And she's decided that she wants something different, or it is not healthy for her to continue with this thing. We have people writing legislation to regulate that, but we have people writing legislation saying no mask mandates because, oh, my freedom to wear, I don't want to wear a mask or I'm not getting the vaccine and I don't care if I am going to, you know, get someone sick who can't get vaccinated or I don't want to wear my mask. You know, I, I don't understand. That level of hypocrisy is just so far outside of my reality, but this is what's happening. We got, and it's, and it's usually some dude it's usually some oh, yeah. dude who don't know nothing about a woman's body, nor could he navigate his way around it efficiently, making decisions, <laughs> making decisions about a woman's body. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. It's it, it, right. it just it all of that just is just. I mean, you know, you you got it's, man. I'm loving this. You are so connected. You are so connected with the issues. I'm really I'm I'm enjoying listening to you. So keep going. Oh, thanks. Well, the other thing the other thing I would like to see is government that works for the people, that yeah. works for everybody. And you know, I've got a number of things on my mind there. One is I love and and a lot of people will laugh at me when I say this, but I love a well-run bureaucracy. Okay? Yeah. We need a well-run state bureaucracy to handle things like rental assistance. Yeah. I mean, it was a disaster. We were seeing people getting evicted after they were approved for rental assistance because the check hadn't arrived yet to the landlord. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. I would I would like to see, you know, the Supreme Court, the Indiana Supreme Court came up with a, a program for uh, landlord tenant settlement facilitation conferences, okay? Well, the idea was to get them together and either reach some kind of a payment arrangement to get the tenant caught up or an amicable, amicable agreement on a move out date. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you could get some of the back rent forgiven or mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, but it's completely voluntary. And at least to a great extent, landlords, especially corporate landlords don't always want to do it no you know no i mean and, and, I, and, I, and we get that they you know they have utilities and bills and things oh, of that yeah. nature they have to pay and so shame on this supposedly business friendly government environment in indiana that they didn't get those checks out in a, in a timely and efficient manner right. so those businesses wouldn't i mean so there is two sides to it I, and i definitely get that but when you putting people out on the street yeah i mean i've stood I've stood beside people who were being kicked out of their homes and had no, no idea where they could go. And of course, then they end up in the worst housing in town, you know, and Indiana, our legislatures won't do anything about passing repair and deduct or withholding rent to get repairs done. None of that. I mean, those are all things that you know, we need to balance out the lobbyists mm -hmm. who are up in Indy and are standing up for landlords and standing up for payday lenders and standing up for hospitals and corporate nursing home companies. And, you know, you know, and I want to speak for the people. I want to speak mm -hmm. for the tenants. I want to speak for the homeowners. I want to speak for people in nursing homes. I want to yeah. speak for students and teachers. So, yeah, I mean, we I think you. I think I want to be the the person in the room who says, "Wait a friggin' minute, <laughs> we need you, we need you, we need your fervor," because you know probably more than half the people who were elected in there anyway, and it, it's uh, and you know you you can articulate an argument you know uh, better than most of those people anyway, and it's just so I mean it's it is so frustrating to see people are electing these humans and these humans are not taking care of the people that elected them. And it just, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you know, probably the last thing I want to talk about is how we make a crime out of everything. <laughs> and, and, you know, one of the things we need to work on is substance abuse. Mm -hmm. And by making it a crime and imposing a stigma, we're preventing people from getting the help that they need. Yeah. You know, and when the crime is mere possession, I think we need to be doing something else with people. You know, yeah. now I think you still have to prosecute people who burglarize homes or, you know, sure. I mean, sure. that's, you know, those are, those, those are crimes that affect somebody else, but somebody who's an addict, I think we need to, we need to have programs that do harm, pre pre harm prevention or harm minimization because you're never going to get a dead addict into recovery. Right. You know, so you want to do things to keep them alive until they can get to the place where they're ready to embrace sobriety. Yes. If they ever get there, yes. you know? Yes. Yes. Addiction is a, is a health issue and, and we treat addictions and we treat mental health as if it is a crime. Well, hell it's a crime being black. So I'm just going, and that's, that's, there's no defect there. There's just, you know, just, you know, can stay out in the sun a little longer before I burn. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've ever been arrested for driving while white. Well, I, I was telling you earlier, I, I've had people call the police on me for canvassing as a candidate. I mean, every yeah. any, people are so afraid of each other. And, and, and a, part of the reason why is because everybody's trying to hold on to what little bit they have, because we see government, we see people writing legislation that doesn't benefit us and, and advance us as a people. It only advances those big entities. And, and you know what? As a Democrat, I have to actually say, I have Democrats that are messing it up, you know, especially at the federal level. Y'all oh, yeah. messing it up. What are you, what are you doing? And, it's, and, it, and it comes down to, I got mine. I don't care if you ain't got yours. Yeah, well, and we do need to be concerned about uh, people who work in coal. You know, I mean, those have been good paying jobs for people. But I don't think, I, I think even without government, we're going to see a transition away from that to solar and wind. And the sooner the better in terms of climate change. I mean, we need to take care of our environment. We need clean air. We need clean water. We need healthy food, healthy soil, you know. Especially in Indiana just, farmland. Hmm? Especially in Indiana farmland. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where, that's where I live. You know, I mean, you, you don't have to go very far from here to see a, a farm field, you know, I mean, and uh, you know, and you want, you don't want, uh, you know, you don't want algae blooms from too much fertilizer running off into the water. Right. You want to preserve your wetlands because they help with drainage. Right. Right. You know, I mean, that, that was, a, that was a developer the last, what was it two years ago when they, uh, stopped protecting certain wetlands. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then somebody's going to buy a house in an old swamp. <laughs> you know? and, and that's what's going to happen, but they don't, they don't they might have water in their basement, you know? And it just seems like our legislators are so short sighted. Like they don't see beyond this cycle. Like, you know, when we see like, and, and I referenced the, the, the environmental bills that are coming down the pike and not protecting the wetlands, the CR, the anti CRT bills, or they, I call them racist oh, yeah. bills. Cause that's what, they're not looking down the line. They just react They're in the moment. And that's it. Where's the, where's the plan to, to move Indiana forward and to keep us safe and to keep our students bright and to protect our, they're not doing any of that. It's such a, it's for a short term game because if I write this piece of legislation for this particular corporation, I'm gonna get $10,000. And it's not even a whole lot of money. It's not even like, yeah. it's not even millions of dollars. It's like ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. It's all it costs you to get an anti-environmental bill. It's like 20 grand. That's yeah, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame. You know, and, and down here in the southwest corner of the state, I, I mean, we've, we've looked at ourselves as a sacrifice zone down here as far as the, the pollution, you know, where we have yeah. a lot of coal burning plants and the coal ash uh, pits and the yeah. polluters, all of that is down there by Evansville. Yeah. So it's, it's our children's future and their health that are really at stake here, you know, in, in, in terms of, you know, making this a more livable place. Yeah. And maybe some of them, you know, I have one, I have four children. One of them lives here in town and is a school teacher. Oh, wow. 
and I would love for the rest of them to come back, but they, they're like, it's pollution and, you know, and racism, yeah. you know? Yeah. They're like, why would I, why would, and see, that's the thing. Like when you listen to the governor give a state of a state of uh, speech and he's all optimistic about Indiana, I'm, I'm optimistic about Indiana, but for a different reason, but that doesn't mean that I don't see the nonsense that's happening. We do not have a good quality of life in Indiana. Some of us do. But the vast majority oh, sure. of us are struggling. And the fact that we're the worst in the getting the vaccine, there was a report that came out a couple of weeks ago that said Indiana was the least safest place when it came to this silly pandemic. Yes. I mean, people don't, smart, intelligent people, upwardly mobile people who don't have to stay here and really want something else, they're going to go somewhere else. You know, people have asked me, why are you still in Indiana? Well, first of all, Indiana's own doesn't travel very well. <laughs> two, two, if all the smart people leave, then what will we do for the people who need our help? You know, it's, it's, it is hard because I want to go where it's warm. I want to be, I hate snow and cold and I'm an IT chick. I can go anywhere in the world and work. Yeah. But you know, but like, like you, you, you're an attorney. You could have went anywhere you wanted to get barred. And practice the work that you do, but you stayed in Indiana. Well, and I came to Indiana, believe it or not, this is pretty funny because Indiana was paying better than Boston. At the time. Wow. At the time. <laughs> yeah, you know, I got I got fifteen thousand dollars a year here when I started. Wow. Wow. You know, and they were paying twelve in Boston. I think you had to have a trust fund or something to afford to work for legal services in Boston. Right? It's not enough to live there. Right. And then, but you know what, back then, when, when you started 40 years ago, we had more balance in our government. There, there was more balance yeah. between, you know, cause so, so that was in the eighties, right? That oh, was sure. the, the by era, the, the Kernan era, oh, you know, know, where, when John Gregg was the speaker of the house and we had you know, uh, Anne Delaney is a party chair and Robin Winston is party chair where we had, it was more balanced in our state. And so it, it, it was reflective now that it's one party rule. Well, and it hasn't been that great for Indiana workers. Not you know, there's, they're falling behind compared to other states Yeah. because corporations don't care only about taxes. Right. Okay. Right. I mean, it's nice not to have to have to pay a lot of tax. I mean, who, who really loves paying taxes. But I always, you know, when it's time to pay taxes, I always say, well, I'm lucky that I have it to pay. Right. You exactly. know, because there are people who don't. But corporations care about equity and diversity. They care about the environment. They care about other things besides, you know, they care about workers who are ready to do the jobs. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we need to really gear up our training and, and education and make it more accessible for people so that they're ready for the jobs that come. Right, right. And, and the other thing is like the jobs that are considering Indiana as a place because of the tax breaks or whatever, they're also looking at the school system and they're like, okay, exactly, do yeah. my workers want to bring their families to Indiana? When you have, you know, a, a magician running around Hamilton County you know, talking about, you know, CRT. I mean, literally they, they brought mm. in an Asian musician, a magician and said, Oh my God, I moved from California cause it was too racist for me. Get out of here. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess, I guess some Hoosiers will buy that. I, I won't. <laughs> I mean, they're, yeah, it's, they're you know, the whole CRT, the whole CRT thing is just, it's just a diversion. It is. You know, it's it a, is. and a dog whistle, really. I mean, it just, number one, I mean, it's not tied in K through 12. And, you know, and if somebody feel, you know, really, we're not trying to make kids feel bad when we teach them history, but we do want them to feel empathy for other people. Say that. I mean, what? What is wrong with that? What is wrong with feeling like, oh my God, that was terrible. I don't ever right. want to do it again. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, and that's, you know, and if you don't have experience with it, you may, you may be clueless. Exactly. You know, so, so by reading literature that depicts what happened to black people, that's a wonderful way to step into somebody's cho shoes and develop more understanding. That's why I'm just appalled that they would 
like try to ban Toni Morrison, <laughs> you know, right. or, or, you know, the other thing is, is they want to make criminals out of librarians. Yeah. 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 I you mean, know, the librarians, I love librarians. I mean, especially after like the Patriot Act with them not being willing to turn over records of what books people were reading. And I mean, come on. The whole yeah. idea that there was a, there was a, a video I saw of a parent and he talked about, you know, there, there are some materials that I really censor my kid from. I do. I, I don't want him to read this. I don't want him to read that, blah, blah, blah. But he said, but I don't care what you read. I don't care what your kid reads. I am not telling you to ban books and throw, I mean, literally we're burning books. And the fact that we don't want to teach our kids about Ruby Bridges, what the hell? I mean, it's just, it's, it's insane. It, 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 this is what happens when you, you keep defunding public education and these people are not getting the resources that they need poured into their brain to make sound decisions and be able to disseminate truth from, from BS, right? And they're like, well, oh, we don't want this. And they don't even know what it is. They just were told to be mad about it. Yeah, well, they don't even read the book. They don't even know. You don't even you know. know I mean, you, before you before you ban a book, you should read it. You and then, read it. then you know, there may be some discussion points that you could have with your child. You know, it's. I don't want to. I don't want my. And, and then look, and we are so narrow minded in the way they they craft this stuff. They actually leave out all of the other marginalized communities. They do talk about what they won't do for gay folk. Trust me, they'll, the alphabet soup is in trouble always. So us rainbow warriors, we got to keep on fighting. But the, the, the omission of Native Americans, the omission of the contribution of Asian Americans, the omission of, of, of Central South America, Mexico, you know, Hispanic cultures and what, what, it, what it means to be an American. And it's all of these different pieces that have created this nation that we have, but we only want to make it seem like it was a bunch of Europeans that came over here and was able to create this amazing nation. Get the heck out of here with that. They couldn't yeah. even stand in the sun to pick their own cotton and tobacco and sugar cane, but they want to like make it seem like they did all this by themselves. I'm, I'm so oh, hyped yeah. tonight. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I am so hyped tonight. I'm like these people, man. It just, it's, you know, come on. So let me, let, let me recommend another book. Okay. Sweetness of water by Nathan Harris. And there is a line in this book that I think is sort of, emblematic of what's happening now. This book is set right after the Civil War. Okay. And then the Yankees are down in the South and they're policing to to make sure that the slaves are freed and that uh, you know things are people aren't being persecuted really. Right, right. And one of the neighbors in the book says, those Yankees are going to go back up north and we will have our people back working for us just like we always did you know mm -hmm. and i think that there is this thought that you can just roll back all the progress that has been made but that is not going to happen no no it's not you know i still question sometimes how they got us in the boats but but you know hey it, it happened you know and we here and we and and we are this is our nation so stop trying to tell me to go somewhere it's my nation too. And Native Americans, thank you for not, you know, trying to come get your stuff. Because listen, just think about it. We st stolen people on stolen land. That's just, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? You, I, I, I have nothing. Gosh, I, I'm in love with you now. I should just say that <laughs> because, you know, you hit on all the issues without me even prompting you. These are, you can tell these are things that you are passionate about and you are passionate about people. You are a lover of people and how you can help people. You are exactly the kind of person we need fighting alongside our state reps um, in the house right now. And I hope that everyone, <clears throat> excuse me, I hope everyone who's been listening tonight will click on her donate link. So support her, send her to our, our state house. You know what? Well, she, she's been fighting for 40 years out here in the streets. Let's send, let's send her to the state house. Let's get her in there so she's writing legislation that makes sense for the people. I really do appreciate you coming on, Catherine. Um, I wish you the best of luck. I do believe that we are going to be able to get um, some donations and, and, and get you some support. Do you have any events coming up that we should know about? Well, I have a launch party on Saturday. Oh, okay. So, Is it virtual or, or? It's it's live. Okay. <laughs> we're, okay. 
We're living, we're living dangerously, but okay. uh, I hope to make it a safe event uh, with masks and, you know, finger food that you can pop under your mask. How's that? All right. All right. I and love it. Uh, yeah, so out at Zapp's Tavern on Saturday from two to four central time. Okay. And that's down in, in, in uh, uh, Evansville, Evansville, right? Well, it's actually over the uh, Evansville line into Posey County. It's okay. kind of... It's kind of centrally located in my district. Okay, excellent. And what what are the counties in your district? Po well, it's all of Posey County and then part of Vandenberg. Okay. Totally gerrymandered. Of course, of you course, know. of course. I mean, Vander Vandenberg County, of course, is where Evansville is. Right. And and I think we could have two Democrat seats out of okay. Vandenberg County if it wasn't gerrymandered. But what we have is one Democrat seat and then three other seats that are split up with other counties, you know, so they're diluting the, that's crazy. You know, the they did the vote. same thing up in Allen County and in, in Fort Wayne, they did the exact same thing. You know, they just, I mean, they, they don't want the people to have a say in who they want representing them. They're, they're carving yeah. it out and marginalizing their votes. It's just ridiculous. Well, and they say they, they draw lines by counties and townships, but I'm in a township that's like cut, cut up. Wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. Well, so Saturday in Posey County, um, where can they find you? Where, what inf where can they find where you are and your social media handles and all that good stuff? Oh, look for uh, elect, elect Catherine Ryback on Facebook and then Rep at gmail.com if people want to send me a message. Uh, and my website is still under construction. It will be rybackforrep.com. Com. Excellent. Well, congratulations for putting your name on the ballot. It is not an easy job. You're running in a distant-sized district. We wish you the best of luck. Hang on just a second, though. Okay, y'all, this this is what I'm talking about. We need people like Catherine in our state house because if we don't, y'all going to have me see me in here on Thursdays crying about legislation until the end of session. But I want to change gears real quick. We saw that one of our Supreme Court justices has decided that he is going to step away um, as a, a, a Supreme Court justice. And President Biden has assured us that a black woman is going to be elected or be appointed, nominated to be the next Supreme Court justice. I applaud this. I'm happy about it. Yay, black women. We've been putting it down in this nation for a long time, doggone it. We was even suckling y'all's kids. So I'm really happy to know that the, 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 the president is going to stay at his word. But if I hear one more person be they whatever level of melanin that they res they have residing in their skin, talking about, well, it shouldn't be about race and it should only be about who's the most qualified. I don't recall hearing any of you knuckleheads out there talking about the most qualified when last president was appointing lifetime positions to people who the National Bar Association said were not qualified. I didn't hear you say nothing, but they were all white men, so you didn't question it. Y'all was good. Stop demeaning black women because I guarantee the pool of black women that they're going to pull from are way more significantly qualified than any of those people that were appointed by that last president. We are always more qualified because we got to work twice as hard to be twice as good to get half the credit. We know who we are. It's not my fault y'all don't know who we are. Open a book, study us. But if I hear one more person, and Indiana has his own version of Candace Owens, and if any one more person says to me, it's not about race, then why has it taken it this long, this long to get a black woman on that Supreme Court? Why? Why has the default always been old white men? When that is not all that is in our nation. Our nation consists of a variety of people of, with a variety of lived experiences and our Supreme Court should reflect that. So stop it with your nonsense about the most qualified. If that was the case, most of those federal judges that were appointed during the, the last four years of that administration should not be on the bench. But you didn't say nothing about that. You know who you are. Stop being Candace Owens. All right, Indiana's on Dana Black. I am uh, excited about the shows that I have coming forward. I am booked out all the way to April 14th. This show will be the last show where I have candidates on. Well, the candidate will be by themselves because there are so many people who have declared I am doubling up shows. I am excited, 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 excited. So uh, be sure 
to tune in each week. And if you have a candidate that I have not reached out to and you want to hear from them or if you are concerned about a particular area, do we have a candidate? Let me know. I'll do that research. And we'll make sure that you go, we're bringing you as many as we can before the primary because we know that there's going to be primary races. But we want to bring you to people so that you can know who you should support and who you should get behind. All right? Indiana's on Dana Black. Turn left. I will holler at y'all next week. Peace. Turn Left is the property of Black Pearl IT Solutions. Executive producer, Indiana's own Dana Black. Music by www.binsound.com. <laughs>